Well, how's everybody? Uh, how's everybody feeling about our campaign? I am very glad to not be the enthralled to a demon wolf and having his <laughs> puppies. Hey, hey! You chose that life. <laughs> I did not. I rolled badly. The puppies are still hey, coming. Keith. That, no, no, that, no. That, yeah, that, that whole scene that was that was crazy. The amount of pleasure that you took in that moment tells whoa, me that you whoa, whoa, definitely not a good enough reason <laughs> to use the word pleasure in this context. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's absolutely good in the freezing. I feel good. I feel like we ended up in, in one of my worst nightmares is, is what we ended up in. So I feel like in comparison, we went from like something that was fairly like, you know, happy-go-lucky. We were solving things. We were talking things out. Things felt pretty chill, honestly, in a lot of ways. It was pretty cool. And then and then we landed in nightmare zone, so. But like we are in like end game. Like this feels very end game. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, creating an arc where everything comes together like this in such a satisfying way what has it go oh look it's the consequences of my actions or whatever it is you know <laughs> well 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 if it isn't the consequences <laughs> of my own actions yes yeah. that that's what i feel like is going on right now i think mcwitty is like haha you done screwed up kid and i'm well, like no 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 he's no, no he's not you done screwed up you taught no, me he really well. We're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like reality is we screwed up. It's like if the universe handed our characters a toddler and was like, hey, you're going to teach this toddler everything and they're going to listen to every single thing that you say, every single thing. And then as a parent, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not true. They're not going to listen to every single thing. And then, you know, 20 years later, you end up with a child with severe trauma that doesn't know how that like how to process it. And basically the powers of JD from Aladdin. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's McWitty. He was a blank canvas and then was yeah. so insanely omnipotent. I also don't, I don't know if I like to bring this up, but I feel like I have to. Like coming from like growing up in a Christian household where the, the myth of the war in heaven was very prevalent. I do feel like we have now created like war in heaven Satan if he had been allowed to do what he wanted to. So Mr. Mahwini is Lucifer, which is probably just, you know, proof that Lucifer's a little bit misunderstood. He had good intentions. You might actually, have you read Paradise Lost by Milton? I will never read Paradise Lost by Milton. Oh my gosh. In the beginning, Satan, Lucifer, is like the tragic hero. Like he gets painted he just like be. that. Like... He just wanted what was best. He just wanted a dad who was present. This is basically how it goes. But it's interesting because McWinnie is like our, our tragic hero turned. It's it's Lucifer. like a begging mind. Basically, it's like our our own creation is backfired on us. Yep. So oh right, if, if when that, he yeah, creates Titan. the red haired superhero. Uh -huh. crazy yeah, he creates he creates Titan. I am your space dad. <laughs> Whenever I think of Mokwini, I'll picture him blue dad from now on. <laughs> this is for Space Dad. You lied to her. <laughs> space Mom. Space yeah. Mom. Dang it. I think it's Space Stepmom. I am your Space Stepmother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's unfathom. No, it's, it's without fathom. Man, I need to watch that movie again. <laughs> I, uh, I've been so excited every time you guys did something to just like write it down. Like, well. That's something that can come around later. I have to say, this is not the Mahwini that we came up with. And that's what threw me <laughs> Dan, for a loop. Dan's like, I feel betrayed. 
I, I was looking for a Mr. Rogers, a, a, you know, Time God Mr. Rogers, and then this happened, and I'm like, this this isn't Mr. Rogers. <laughs> this is like Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. Hey, we're not mentioning that name on this <laughs> podcast. If any of you have watched Legends of Tomorrow, uh, you'll know Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac, and this is what it felt like. It's enjoyable. It is. It's a wonderful show. We owe a lot it to it. We do, yeah. I'm going to say, we've just been like parodying it or not even parody just been <laughs> it's, a, it's a loving send-up key it's yeah, a loving it, send-up yeah. for the past like two years uh mr uh mr mcwinney actually has a, a very funny tie to uh mr rogers in that uh, mcwinney was the last name of the uh u.s sniper during i believe the korean war with the most uh confirmed kills and there's been a rumor around forever that mr rogers was a korean war sniper Oh so, my uh, yeah, that's where that last name came from. <laughs> yes. Well, all right. So it was funny for exactly me and me. Yeah, and you. <laughs> like we, uh, yeah. we were, we were trading Mahwini quips in the car on the way to work. Yeah, we had like so many fun episodes a... in mind for Mister Mahwini. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then Dan's hopes and dreams were crashed. And yep. now uh, all the times where you're like, why are you uh, such good friends with Mr. McWhinney? Th that's why. Uh, See, Dan, it was Mr. Rogers. Dan, look, I told you from the first time that we interacted with Mr. McWhinney, I was like, something is not right about this man. Did I know what was going to happen? No, no. But did I know that something was wrong? Yes. That is why I kept asking you, Dan, why are you trying to interact with him? <laughs> well, also as a 10 year old, he was basically Mr. Rogers. And as a 10 year old, no, I watched Mr. Rogers when I was, what, five, six. I mean, still to this day, I, I would watch Mr. Rogers. So so we're talking a lot of Mr. McWhinney, but he is the current arc. Yes, let's that's go, very let's true. Let's go back in Muckler and the... Uh, yeah, this is our West Virginia bonus episode. Our first one since succeeding at changing the timeline. Yeah. So I will be excited to tell some more of the history of this, but before I do... Um, how does everybody feel about spending eight years in one place? <laughs> eh, four how, months. How does everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Six months for you, to be precise. Uh, yeah. How, how does uh, how does everybody feel about uh, what they saw in West Virginia? What questions do you have? Honestly, my my biggest concern is for like Shah because of all of you that had to stay back. Shah is the one like most affected by time in this way, like. Why are you, you know, concerned? Not concerned, just like... You said concerned, why are you concerned? Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> concerned is the wrong word. Um, like, but like Shah will grow old. Not old, because, like, it's only been 10 years, but also, like, it's been 10 years, uh, 8 years, like, it's a long time. <laughs> Whereas, like, Ralph became an adult, which is only helpful became, for the podcast. I became a man. Because, so are you because. saying are you saying that Shar has become unhelpful because of this time? No, no. no. Shar has become definitely more helpful Here, because here's the, here's the thing that I'm hearing, Keith, is that I feel like you're talking a lot about Shar when I believe it was actually Zoomin that kind of fucked things up, right? No, Zoomin will always fuck things up. That's his job. He is the <laughs> tank comic relief. No, I was saying like Van Helsing is unaffected by time. Dan is essentially, or Ralph is essentially like left childhood into teenagehood yes. whereas Shah was already an adult so it's going to be interesting to see like how this affects Shah. i mean i think that we already saw how it affected Shah. you know i think uh i mean one 
her high concept changed. So instead of being a self-confident influencer, she's a passionate people advocate. And I think that uh, only good things can come out of that. Um, yeah. hope, hopefully. I like that. Uh, I like that arc. Respond? I like that change. A with, I mean, I think a that, with Char, especially yeah, at the like, times. Look, Char understands followers. So she understands that if, if she changes, then her following is going to change. But I think that she had, you know, nine years to come to terms with that. So I'm, I'm sure that there's things that would shock her about this, but I think that like largely what we will see in this next arc is hopefully some maturity from Char when it comes to not just like decision-making, but also in her communication with others. So I, I mean, I honestly think that it was a great, uh, a great use of time in like in the podcast to be able to kind of explore some of that growth. I, I like that we also got to see that growth from Ralph. I mean, I, I feel like uh, any transition into adulthood is kind of cool. And I, I feel like it's, uh, I, I always thought that it was fun for Char and this 10 year old boy to team up and, and get up to like weird shenanigans. I think that happened a lot in DC. Um, but it's kind of nice to be like, I feel like Char would have some confidence in Ralph after he comes back from the war. And, and I think that that changes some of that dynamic, which is cool. Nice. It's always cool to have character development and character development takes time. I think it's interesting because like chaos is affected by the timeline, right? But like by the changes to the timeline, by whatever Mr. McQueen did. But realistically, he and Zuman have like, well, chaos had like that whole thing where he had to keep leaving and coming back. So some stuff might have happened to him. Whereas Zuman has had like, I was growing and then I kind of stalled out on growing, which I think is actually like, kind of works with what we did because Zuman has experienced less time and has then grown less. And Effie didn't really need to grow because she was already awesome. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, objectively, I feel like Effie's perfect, so... So I'm just like... Every everyone can suck it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to decide, like, what is the lesson Zoo learns from this? Because, like, realistically, the lesson should be stop turning into big wild shit because bad stuff happens. You get shot up as a bear... Hey. You scratch hey, weren't sharp, you uh, supposed you to get, learn that a while ago? Yeah, <laughs> and you get inseminated by a demon wolf. But now, McWhinnie just came and like snapped the consequences away twice. So that's like where I started unlearning it. Because like the winged bear was my attempt at like bringing in the aggressive for a good cause. And then the consequences were snapped away. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then the dire wolf, and now the consequences have been snapped away. And I'm like, hmm. What lesson am I learning right now? Because it's probably not the one that I'm supposed to be learning. We'll see how it turns out. And also yeah. Van Helsing fell in love, which is adorable. Yeah. That left her for some I, I have to say, like, Mother Jones is definitely my favorite part mm -hmm. of everything that happened in Mukla. I think that she is such a fantastical, real person. Um, and it also blows my mind that, like, dis I, I internet searched hard. Because, uh, Logan, you had dropped that this character that was going to be introduced was known as, like, the reincarnation of God. Uh, Christ, yeah. And, like, you gave us, like, some other thing that I was like, okay, I, I can search for this person with this. I was not able to find, like, anything um, at all. And I swear I spent, like several good like 20 to 30 minute sessions sitting at the computer after we would record something being like who is this person that is coming i am obsessed with them already and i want to know more <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yes, the uh, the the quotes that I used about uh, Mother Jones were all pulled from uh, historical contexts. But the only way I found these originally was by watching very badly edited YouTube videos of professors giving like presentations at uh, libraries and conventions and stuff. The dedication that you have to this uh, absolutely like blows, blows my, my mind. mind. Yep. I know. I know that both you and Dan put in a lot of work to um, look up historical things and bring in cool facts. So, like, you know, hats off to both of you. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's 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 a lot of work. Um, if anybody wants to learn more about Mother Jones, uh, there is a book called "The Most Dangerous Woman in America," uh, which was published just a few years ago. Oh my god! Um, it is available at your local library, but uh, maybe from a few branches away. Interestingly, I think the same thing is true of like the consequences of what happens in Makla and what's the called again after it's Makla? Uh, well, we were in Makla for our first little bit, and I'm going to admit that I uh, I took some liberties um, with things going on to get them in the same area. Right. The second place we went, um, we were heading towards uh, Logan County. What was the uh -huh. name of the city? I think liberties <laughs> are allowed in this kind of situation. That's why people read historical fiction and stuff, don't you think? Yeah. Is yeah. to be able to... But I was like, what I was getting at is like, it's crazy that this, so much of this is just not like heard of, you know, spoken about, like part of history. I'm a history teacher. I am literally teaching American government and history right now. And I did not know most of this stuff. Yeah, it's... I mean, all of this is labor history. And by and large, labor history, where it's not suppressed, is mostly ignored. Mm. And, uh, and in this case, it was actually very specifically repressed after the, uh, the Battle of Blair Mountain, which we didn't play out because I felt like um, I was just walking through history for my own enjoyment. But the Battle of Blair Mountain was the largest battle on U.S. soil since the uh, Civil War between thousands of miners and, on the other hand, a smaller number of thousands of uh, mine guards, Baldwin Feltz agents, and lawmen. And a lot of these guys were uh, World War I vets. So it was, uh, it was fairly intense. There was private planes that were hired that dropped bombs on the miners, uh, which is one of the first uses of planes as bomb delivery devices. It's um, crazy. And it all ended when the U.S. Army showed up and both sides assumed, hey, the Army's here to help us because we're all vets and we're clearly in the right. Um, but uh, the miners were disarmed and Frank Keeney, our friend who we followed for so many years, was more or less erased from history, ended up running a dive bar and dying a pauper. Um, and all of his family was ashamed to be associated with him. Wow. Uh, his own grandkids did not know who he was or what he had done. You know, it's interesting because, like, Shit. the American, like, resistance to, like, workplace reform is just is so profound. Like, we have so many examples through history of, like, uh, innovation being repressed for the sake of, like, cost-effectiveness and immediate like profit margins. And I feel like this is just like one of those situations. Like we don't want to talk about people getting so upset by bad labor laws that they went to battle because it'll give people ideas 
about striking and like what they deserve and so we're just gonna rewrite an entire chunk of american history it didn't happen now we're good everything's fine mm -hmm. even recently the uh, mine companies that were existent then that are still basically existent now attempted to take the blair mountain site where the battle took place and uh basically level it uh just to get it out of there Damn. More um, hiding evidence. Right after all of this was over, the mines formed a body called the American Constitutional Society that wrote all of the textbooks for history for that region of the country up until, I believe, the 80s. And so it was just gone. Like It, it was fairly recent that this came back, that people know about it. It's the best example of history is written by the victor that I can, like, like literally... The victor turned around and wrote the history book. <laughs> like, yep. literally written by the victor here. It's crazy. Yep. It was felt like it would be un-American for people to know that uh, this sort of thing had happened in America. But yeah, all the all the things that we went through, the, uh, the Bull Moose special, that plane that tore through the miners' camp and fired machine guns everywhere. The train. That was a real yep. thing. Yikes. Okay, yeah, that, when you told us that, Oh no, there was a reveal before. Um, when you told us that that was real, I literally felt like I was picking my jaw up off the ground because that that sounds like something that you only like read about in a fantasy sci-fi novel, you know? Right, it, it felt like yep. it came out like right out of like the Wax and Wayne trilogy from like Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> I was like, this is just a, a thing that you made up for the game. Right? Like, this is a game thing. <laughs> right? It sounds like a game thing. And it wasn't. We're, we're and I was playing like, a game, right? I'm sorry, they created a tank on tracks because labor disputes? Yikes. That, like, I feel like you saying that feels exactly like a little child, uh, like like siblings playing together and being like, and, and I hate you, but it's only in the game uh like you you were hoping that Logan was going to be like and then there's there's a train with guns but only in the game <laughs> he's like nope <laughs> Americans use it on each other yay uh, remarkably only one person was killed what <laughs> not a doubt version don't, I don't know no. how <laughs> yeah so our version was much more deadly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Van Helsing lit a cigarette in the in the oh heat dimension. It almost blew me up. Yeah. <laughs> did we really fix history, or did we just make it way, <laughs> way worse? Oh, oh, we already know that we made it worse. Look at Mr. Bruwinnie. <laughs> and the thing is, like, when we left, we got things back to where they were in actual history. Like, all we did was move things forward, which is great. We advanced society 130 years, but we also killed a bunch more people. <laughs> yeah, we I did mean, look, actually have our goal of uh, helping uh, minorities to uh, not be taken advantage of quite as much. That we did, we did succeed in that. So you know, there's something. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It was for a good cause. I, I was definitely gonna say, like, I, I, I stand by like the moral decision as both a, a player and a person that if you have the chance to make things better for people, then you should take it. Uh, that's not Definitely. to say that I would, will not acknowledge that like there's tons of consequences. Obviously no one has a time machine and can go back 
and change the course of history wait, as we wait, know wait, it. Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Okay, future Keith, if you have a time machine, come back to exactly this <laughs> moment and tell us what I, happened. I really wish... I really wish in moments like this that this was a visual medium. <laughs> so then every single person that watched this could see the my face as Keith starts saying eyes. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I kind of I want to... Wait, wait, wait. I'm here, I'm here. Hey, you made it. You did it. Well, really, you're just editing. So I guess audition is the time machine? Sorry. <laughs> you f***er! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I kind of, I kind of want to think about. I you know I've been, I've been thinking about, and I kind of want to talk about. Um, so in the previous arc, we had the amber thing, and oh, we we're yes, trying to, she, we we're trying, we we're trying to tell her not to change history that no, much. No, 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 no. I want to clarify because we did not tell her not to change history that much. She wanted to control people just like Mister Mawini is. Um, she okay. wanted yeah, to take away their, true. their she free was. will. That is what we disagreed with her on because. If she had been like, oh, I'm really happy to like create safe spaces for people and like help the minorities in the same way that we were, I do not feel like I would have been opposed to working with Amber. It was just the way in which she was like, I can control everyone and everything like Mr. Mawitty. Yeah. Yeah. But now we're dealing with the whole thing. Oh, yeah. On well, a larger scale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My my issue with, with Amber was partially the mind control and partially the like the the hubris of it like i can just fix everything you know <laughs> and like for me in the moment making the choice that helps the most number of people and like you know whatever right choice every time good my biggest concern with all of this was always i am not the person who has the knowledge or the ability to fix like other people's mistakes and yeah. so like for me when she was like i can do it whatever i'll fix it and i'll make him obey i was like oh this is bad let's yeah, let's that's, lock her you know, here if we if we talk about a little bit of storytelling in here though uh that was really good foreshadowing to what is coming in a coming up here pretty soon because that i mean like that <clears throat> is what's making this feel like it's endgame oh yeah. totally because of that interaction we had with Amber, now we're dealing with it on a larger scale. And it's not just, you know, hey, we ran into this person and we had to influence them. It's, no, we we created this other person. Yeah, so, and, and now it's our fault. Arc. Like, we, yes. we are the problem. Yeah, before, we created the very thing we were trying to stop, which is just great story. That's yeah. just, like, that's yeah. just Logan. Good job. Like, that's well done. That's great storytelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah super awesome. In that one episode where Mr. McQueenie first showed up, we dealt with him a lot because it was like the loop. Mm -hmm. But no, after that, it was every once in a while. But during this last arc, he just kept coming up more and more and more. So, yeah, we should have tipped did, us off that he was going to find ourselves a little bit over our head. Yeah, <laughs> we should have should have told us that. Yeah, I definitely uh, have wondered if Mr. White is going to come back and like be part, like either be part of this resistance or be like working alongside it. Um, it's, well, this uh, world does not work for him, right? Like, this is very oh, no. strange. <laughs> for, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure this yes. works terribly yeah. for him, right? Like, worse than us. So, so. like, I got to imagine like Amber and White team up. That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't don't want to drop any uh, spoilers about what I have planned, but fair enough. But yeah, I uh, I've been really thrilled with 
all of the NPCs in the way you all have changed them by interacting with them. Hmm. Now, uh, I intended Mr. White originally to be much more villainous um, than he ended up being, <laughs> but because uh, Van Helsing, kept him Frank. Van Helsing yes, Frank. decided to just walk onto his ship. I was like, well, now I have to tone him down. <laughs> he has like Moriarty vibes now, you know, like modern yeah. day Moriarty vibes. And I'm like, I kind of like, I like him as a, as a story piece. I do not like him as a, as a character I have to interact with on the regular, but like as a villain, I think he, I think he actually came out real nice with his like cordial nature and like, I like the gray area. Yeah, so like when too. you when you say Moriarty, I the the reason why I made the face that I did is because for me Moriarty is not a gray area character at very all. True. Um yeah. but I do understand the Moriarty in that he's very intriguing. Uh I think that Moriarty himself is, is a very intriguing character. And mm -hmm. I like that his name is Mr. White, and yet I very much identify him in the gray zone. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I could not, and I never am really interested in creating a villain that is not sympathetic. Like, mm -hmm. if yeah. I can't, as someone who is acting one of these antagonists, look at them and say, I understand why you're doing this, then I don't think they're, you know, particularly effective. Yeah, right. I mean, very rarely do we see stories coming out that have villains like uh, like like Sauron um, right. or, you know, I would even go so far as to say like Darth Vader before you knew he was Anakin Skywalker <laughs> um, or maybe Emperor Palpatine, you know, like like villains like that that are just the big bad and uh, their motivations. If they exist, it's going to be in some other canon somewhere that exists that only like you know, a tiny percentage of people will read because I, you know, even as I say Sauron, I'm like, but, but Sauron. Uh, anyway, uh, so <laughs> yeah. I think very rarely do we see villains like that. Um, the, the really well done villains, or at least well done villains like that. Well done villains now are definitely, as you said, like you have to be able to see their perspective at least a little bit in order to feel like that story is being carried out well. And I, I definitely think that that exists in what has been set up here. I mean, I, I think back even to Blythe. Like, I feel like Blythe was a character that, like, by the end of the season, you know, like, we had we had, had all these things dropped about her that we definitely were like, oh, like, there's, there's a lot of history here and you can empathize with a lot of that. And that's been carried over into, you know, every single one of the the mini mini bosses or bosses that we <laughs> we've fought in this season for sure except for the feldman whatever i, I always they were jerks names. they were yeah. just jerks i hate baldwin them Feltz, Lee Feldman. yeah baldwin Feltz. there we go why do, why do i always go feldman i don't know i that's like the fourth time i've done the this <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah it's uh. like they still exist and they oh. still are strike breakers really? and scabs today Wow. wow. I would put, oh, if I met one in real life, I'd punch them in the face and I'd say, this is for Charlotte Rossetti. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, you know, because like we also have the one-breasted man yeah. who feels much bitch. more sinister. Yeah. Um, and I still don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't get him. So like I is he gonna like show up again? So the one one breasted man, he was a he was the one that was in charge of all the cyborgs. Cyborgs, at that one point. yeah. Yeah, he, he wants, was the one that like Effie. zapped Effie. Yeah. yeah. Did he come back in the episode with 
all the when, cyborgs okay 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 yeah when we were when we were there he was the one yeah. who like let us into the graveyard i believe yep oh yeah, shit but stopped effie so he's Look, like i was still i was listening i promise <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it's not easy to listen if you're like completely out of the arc i try That's really hard in prison somewhere but sometimes yeah sometimes. No, i get it but yeah like i so with him we haven't interacted as much so like I, I don't feel resolved with that arc, which I'm assuming is coming. Um, but, like, he still feels really, like, sinister mystery. But all of our villains, like, I think Blythe was probably our most, like, knowable villain. Like, Mr. White, I, I get his motives. The capitalism and all that kind of stuff. I get his motives. But he doesn't feel, he feels alien. And he feels other, and so does the one best man, which is great. Like it's Keith, a cool. That's vibe. because you're from Australia. You don't you don't eat <laughs> capitalism the same way we do. Right, right, right. You guys all know Mr. White as like Uncle White, uh, but like <laughs> well, he's been my boss I mean, several times. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They both, they both give me very um, like uh, Men in Black vibes, and I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about the phenomenon. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's like an interesting Blythe, call. Blythe, like, you know, the the mentally corrupted, like, you know, warrior, the the trauma-induced mercenary capitalist sort of, you know, thing that they were, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. They, they seem very human, even, like, the whole time even when we were fighting with them. Um, and that was, one, that was one thing, like, that's what we needed as, like, the cast of heroes. And now we have these heroes that keep, like, maybe not the one breast of man as much, but, like, Mr. White and Mr. McWinney both. We have these villains who are, like, forcing us to engage in ways that aren't, like, knock them out and move on, right? It's like, we were allied with Mr. White for a minute. We were friends with McWinney all up until last episode. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's interesting to see how <laughs> villains evolve as we do. It's interesting to me. I mean, speak for yourself. I was never friends with Mr. Mawini. Fair. But Don't forget about Jerome. I was, I I was going to mention Jerome. I fully I expect Jerome, Jerome to be part of this our... resistance, and if he's not there, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> but he, it's okay. Uh, I forgive you. He was yeah. your enemy for at least some amount of time. Uh, I, I know. Mean, he, I'm sure he still doesn't like us. <laughs> Didn't we steal his extra suit or whatever? His yep. time yes. suit? Yeah. We did mm -hmm. a lot of terrible things to him. <laughs> Oh, poor Jerome. <laughs> yeah. Meh. The thing is that he aligned with Vic, which means, you know, if, since he aligned with them, he should have been, you know, we should have been somewhat friendly to him. We weren't, that, we weren't somewhat friendly to Vic, and Vic was our captain. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. You you mutinied against them. You Okay, okay. <laughs> we were, no, we were somewhat friendly. Look, Van Helsing had a very convincing argument for the mutiny, and then I just, like... It was just so good that I wasn't I mean, going to it not. Was an extremely and I stupid like... argument, and I, I don't <laughs> know that any, I don't know that anyone should argue otherwise. There were snacks. That's the whole reason I joined the mutiny. There were snacks, and that's why I needed. Look, to... I can guarantee in real life, if I ever have to mutiny against anyone, I will bring snacks for everyone, and it will keep you there. It's true. All right. There's a reason in Treasure Island it's the cook that does the the mutiny. There you go. And Treasure Planet, if you're feeling more modern animation. Oh. <laughs> I love Treasure Planet. I know. By the way, I think I should elaborate on something I said earlier. When I'm talking about Mr. Mawinney and Mr. White being like um, the phenomenon of Men in Black, purportedly, 
if you have an, an, an alien encounter or you encounter something supernatural, some people also report after that encounter that they will start to see tall men in suits like in their side like in the sides of their peripheral vision but like there's something wrong with them like they have no, no face oh, or slender man or they're, they're pretending to be human but they can't quite manage it yeah like I... um, there's just like something wrong and they'll like some they'll have them like knock on their door and then they'll like open the door and nobody will be there they'll phone calls Hey, Yikes. remember, Nathan, how I just watched all three seasons of Skinwalker Ranch? I did not Oof. need to, like, be dealing with this again. <laughs> <laughs> if we were in our character's place, would we have been able to survive everything that we did? Well, no, if I could be a giant grizzly bear with wings, <laughs> no, I'd be f***ed. I'd be dead by now. Oh, man, mm. and so much trauma, even with that loop episode. Uh, dying oh, over the loop and over episode and over again. was one of our best episodes ever. It was. Honestly, yeah, it was I liked good. our loop episode a lot. I think the episode we just that just came out is probably one of my favorite episodes, like top five. The one that like just learned, the one we just recorded. Oh, the oh, one yeah, we just yeah. recorded. Okay, 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 okay. Like seeing the consequences of our actions, right, and the full circle moment. I I gotta say that like the Beth virus. Episodes yes, that's yes, are still that's one of my, my favorite. Beth Virus was amazing. That's what like, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I had fun with that one. <laughs> if we have like new listeners to the podcast, I usually am like, like that. That is like the episode that I'm like, th those are the hooks for me. Where I'm like, that's yeah. where I'm like, I think that no matter what kind of listener you are, I think that you would find that those are I incredible. And then you'd be able to like go back and listen to the rest of the season and be like, yeah, I'm super invested in these characters. I actually really loved our most recent Christmas bonus episode. Oh, I did love the sure. Christmas bonus episodes. Yeah. Sarah did such a good North job with that. Thing. That yeah. was really fun. good. Go back and check that out. <laughs> Sarah covers her face. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of really good episodes lately. Yeah, genuinely, I feel Although like... Although um, a, a lot of the recent ones kind of blend together because we spent so long in Mukla. Is it because we recorded them over like a holiday time so they were more spread out? Yeah. Yeah. If I was to give an, an award, I was I was thinking about this and I was like... Cause like I was like, cause I kind of feel like, and maybe this is just because again we were in like the Mukla era. I'm gonna just call it the Mukla era because yeah. um, I'm not really West sure Virginia. what else to call it. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I feel like I can't say West Virginia without starting to sing, so I feel like I not have to Mama. call it Mukla so that I can avoid that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I feel like we were in the Mukla era for so long, and there was like so much good that happened. I feel like there was some really good episodes and lots of good storytelling. Um, but with that, I kind of feel like we almost reached like the end of a season, even though we didn't like, we're not cutting off the, our season here. Like it kind of feels like we did. Cause it was like right. so monumental to like finish that and stuff. Um, so I was actually thinking earlier today and I was like, Hmm, if I was to like hold an award show for like our little podcast at the end of the season and be like, and the award for this goes to this person, I definitely was like, Hmm. The award for the most mentions of a penis or versions <laughs> of a penis goes to Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> you Maybe fractured your last phallus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Governor Glasscock. Well, let me give you a few more little bits of history that I snuck in there, but uh, maybe didn't yes. explain. Yes. 
That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, partially. Partially, it's just because I want to geek out about for? history. Um, y'all familiar with the term redneck, right? Yes. Indeed. Yes, I have family that eats roadkill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yikes. So the term redneck originated with strikers during this period. Because mm-hmm. people would slap their necks? No, because they all sunburns. wore a red bandana. Oh, oh yeah. I thought that was just because you got a sunburn. Is that why Jack Kelly in Newsies has a red bandana? You know, oh. I really don't know. It would make sense. It would make sense. Yes, it but, would. Uh, yeah, it he, was... he wears all dark clothing and then one red bandana. Yeah. Uh, Newsies, we were going to get back there eventually. <laughs> but it's interesting to see how that term was taken and uh, made super derogatory, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just another place that history went. But originally, you were a redneck oh, if dang. you were a union man. Which makes oh, sense yeah. that they made it derogatory considering what else they did with this time in exactly. history. Dang. Yeah, yeah when, I, when I found out about this, I had a strong uh, desire to buy several red bandanas and just make sure I was wearing one all the time. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> because I was I was I still remain so in love with uh with the labor activists of this time period. They did really incredible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but I was like, yeah, I'm just going to just going to like wear a red bandana from now on cuz this is amazing. You know, my father uh who for the last 30 years has lived in the suburbs, mind you. Uh, but he grew up in Idaho, as I said. I have family that eats roadkill um, proudly too. Uh, and my dad is known to say quite often, "You know, we have quite a lot of redneck in us." Uh, so now I feel like I can say to him, "Like, yes, your daughter does actively uh, <laughs> dislike such and such policy." And he'll be like, what? And I'll be like, look it up, bitch. (laughs) Which rhymes with Mitch, which is his name. (laughs) I really hope that somehow my parents don't actually secretly listen to this podcast. The one episode (laughs) they listen to is where you call your dad a bitch. (laughs) Oh, it would be, that'd be terrible. Uh, And, and, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I think that that's incredible. And right. uh, I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. It's uh, it's it kind of blew my mind. Um, the, the 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 folklore goes that the version of uh, Across the Lilies. What's the appropriate title for that song? Uh, mm-hmm. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea. What's the title of that song? I have no idea. Yeah, nope. yeah the, the battle hymn of the republic oh, that one go. okay um anyway the folklore goes and i could find some things that support it and some things that go against it um that the version of battle hymn of the republic that is still used as a union anthem today which is called solidarity forever um was written during this period by sarah blizzard in the camp uh, at Holly Grove. Yeah, same. You'll have two Sarah Blizzards on this podcast <laughs> soon. Uh, yes. And uh, Sarah Blizzard was related to Billy Blizzard, who was the uh, commander of the miners during the Battle of Blair Mountain that we didn't cover. Wow. That's but, very uh, cool. But yeah, they knew hymns and they knew church things. And so the activists rewrote hymns to have union messages, but they, uh, they used these, these hymns, they rewrote words to them 
about the union. And that was what, uh, that was how they got messages across. Um, the relationship between religion and the union was very interesting. Uh, Mother Jones, who was at least one time referred to as the second coming of Jesus Christ and not an Irish old granny, um, gave communion to the minors, um, even though, of course, not ordained. I was going to say, damn straight she did. <laughs> yeah, no, she uh, she just uh, felt like the, the power of God was with uh, the labor force. And because she was a labor activist, she could do things like that. It's a really fascinating uh, place in history. I, I would have loved to spend even more time there, but uh, as I was introspecting, I was realizing that I just wanted to spend more time here instead of progressing the story. So we audibled into a new arc that uh, I'm super excited about. Logan, walk me through a little bit like your your process here, because for me, like you played this audible, but it was for me like the perfect timing. Like when you were like, I'm thinking we should leave. It's literally the second that the whole party makes the conscious choice to not intercede and change history again. Like we, we stop screwing with it exactly at the moment where um, history is back on course and then we leave. Like, it, it's just like, I don't know if it's serendipitous or if you like, heard that and then decided to whatever but like what was your thought process about that like was that a plan to like if we can get the timeline to align again we'll pull out of Makla like so I knew that by spending the eight years there we had accomplished what we needed to um, we'd had to make deals with the devil in order to get what we wanted we had proved that this is hard not to be taken lightly we got an acceptable outcome. Um, so that's part one. But part two is, and I don't know if this stayed in the final episode or not. Um, everyone was asking me when we went into the uh, Matwan massacre, which is what that shootout was called historically. Well, what happened historically? Um, I realized that I was locking in your choices at that point where we could have small decisions made, but everyone was like, okay, Logan wants to play with history. Um, and uh, that really told me that we needed to move on. Mm. Interesting. Cool. Uh, and it was, you know, we'd accomplished our objectives. I knew what the next thing was going to be. I'd already gotten all the ammunition I needed to fire against you <laughs> during the next uh, We'd, we'd already fucked uh, ourselves over pretty good. Yeah. Every time I got Zoom in to talk to... Uh, <laughs> every like, time Zoom in was involved. Every time I got Zoom in to talk to Mohwini, he was just giving Mohwini more and more ground to do whatever the heck he wanted. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, there's a part of me that wars with that choice, right? Like, looking back on all the choices that I was there with McWinnie to talk about, that one choice of save the kid, fuck the timeline choice, I look at myself and I go, okay, as a, as a teacher and as a father, that's the choice I would make, right? And then everything I've read about, like, philosophy and the world and, like, right or wrong and Star Trek and everything else... 
And Star Trek. Star Trek made it in that. Philosophy <laughs> and Star, Star Trek. Trek is philosophy. That's mostly what it is. My my high school actually for a while had a class that was philosophy in Star Trek, and it was literally paralleling um, Star Trek with with Western philosophers. But anyway, told me that what's good for the many is the like the greater good is what was required, and so I really struggled with that in that moment. But I was like. I had to make a conscious choice. I'm like, no, Zuman is not going to struggle with this. Zuman is the kind mm. of guy that goes back into the fire to save the koala. So like Zuman is going to save the kid. And so threw that out there and was just like, live it. Just, just be that. Right. Um, and even convinced myself, like that is the right choice. And then when you're like, this is one of the leading reasons that we have this really, really weird future. And I was like, whoa. And it sort of threw my mind back into the moment where I had to decide that and realize like I wasn't very sure at all that I was making the right call. But I'd also just become a winged bear and been shot through the butt to save this kid. And I didn't (laughs) want to just send him back out to become a cyborg again. (laughs) But I'll take full credit for for screwing up the timeline this bad. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, you partnered that decision with Shar's uh, like overriding decision to change Beth. Um, yep. And even means, to change history. Like yeah. that was one of your lead out things. Yeah. So I, I have to say like, you know, I feel like looking back at Shar's decisions hopefully hopefully not the whole entire group was sitting there going like I was during <laughs> Zuman's decisions but I, I know that I know that everyone is an individual and I don't ex- I, I don't uh, want to force my uh, feelings and decisions on everyone else <laughs> when when we decided to hack Beth for me like that was the moment oh, where I was heavens. like we're we're doing something like like that uh, even more than the choice to change the timeline, which I struggled with a whole bunch. Like I really honestly struggled with that choice, but the choice to hack Beth felt villainous. It was like that the was first so choice hard. we made that I was like, this is ethically not okay. And I was like, when is this going to come back to bite us in the ass? And like more and more episodes went by and I'm like, when is this going to come back to bite us? And it still did it. And I'm like, okay, something is coming. Blows my mind about that is they're like, I don't feel like that was ethically okay. And I'm like, it's an AI. I know. Hang on. She's bio, bioelectric. She's living. No. Besides, honestly... Like we are, we are living carbon. What this is the is difference? All just a game. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's all fine. a simulation. And, it, and like I went with it because of those reasons, right? Like it, and and we also just need to get the hell out of the time loop. But like, <laughs> Keith's like, hmm, Sarah's decision, bad, but also time loop <laughs> necessary. Yeah, but like. I I looked at it and it wasn't that I was like, it wasn't that I felt bad about doing it because honestly I didn't because game. It was that I, I expected it to be an instant regret moment. Like we were going to pay for it immediately and then oh. we didn't. And that, like for me, that was so compelling. Like I've been waiting for that shooter drop for freaking months. You Definitely. Know? Yeah. And, especially and like, knowing Logan. 
No, knowing right? Logan, I was waiting for a consequence for that. Like every time come. I say one stupid thing, Logan's like, "Really? <laughs> do you want to do that? Really, really, really? Because I'll do it." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I, I will, I will mention like the decision to change, change the timeline, like for for Shar and for myself, like that just was a non-issue. Like I would make that same decision in real life if I could yeah. like any, anything that would, would make things easier on people that have had to experience incredibly difficult lives at the hands of other people, like absolutely would change without, without second thought. So like that decision was not hard. The Beth decision I feel like was necessary and Zuman's decision to take the child. I empathize with. Yeah. See, like, for, yeah, for me, the the history decision is tough because two reasons. Number one, you know, like mistakes ha are like not mistakes because they're they're really bad. I was, was going to say, be really be really careful with this, Keith. Mis mistakes <laughs> on our part happened as we tried to change history, and that's what I would be afraid of. That's where I was going with that. Um, mm -hmm. That I, not the person, right? Um, but that no one would be would be able to do it perfectly and and the better the devil you know but also the devil i don't know so i'm always like i don't know i like it was like way too heavy for me to consider which is why i struggled yeah. with it but like at the end of the it definitely day, feels the, super heavy yeah but like the the i'm glad we got the result we did like i'm glad that our result wasn't the creepy utopia our result was shortening racism, I guess. And then someone else decided <laughs> to creepy else was like, yeah. <laughs> um, You know, maybe it's easier just to make the creepy utopia not creepy than it is to try and put everything back. Yeah. Just go in and be like, let's I mean, stop the mind control, let everything else stay as it is. Yeah. <laughs> so would, would you guys believe me if I told you that you guys hacking Beth was not my plan going into those episodes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, you that hacked Beth? It was it was chaos. But it wasn't to, Chaos's idea, right? It no. was. No. Oh, it was. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So this is a, a DM GM moment. And these mostly get caught out of the episodes. So y'all as listeners don't hear about this. But whenever the group starts going into really heavy debate, I am told that I've done something right and I've done something wrong. I've given an interesting decision or an interesting problem to solve. And so the debate is good. But if the debate goes on too long, that means I have not properly signposted good things for the players to do. And I've left them two out at sea. And whenever that happens, I have to look around at the tools that I already have and say, all right, this problem is not working out well. It's not a fun experience. What do I do to move the plot forward without railroading the characters? See, that's easier in, for me because I just cut that section out of the podcast and we just yeah. jumped to choice. <laughs> and in that case, I had set a whole bunch of conflicting things going on during the time loop. And you had to be paying attention to each of these, or we could just take the easy way out. And by hacking Beth, we get rid of one of the huge complications. And you didn't expect us to take the easy way out? Oh, I, <laughs> like... at that point, I kind of expected that you would. And I was thrilled because I already had this upcoming arc <laughs> planned. Uh <-huh. laughs> but I did not know whether you'd take it or not. And if you weren't, I would have found another solution that you could go with, but. But so what, uh, what was the solution besides hacking Beth? 
I can't I can't even remember what the problem was. She like didn't want to do something or Right. So she kept uh, she kept defaulting to White or Jerome because mm-hmm. that you had violated her programming by changing history. She didn't oh, want yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. they oh, yes. both had compelling reasons for her to go with them. Mm-hmm. Right? And I cannot unfortunately reveal what other options would have been there. <laughs> because it still has play in the future. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was information. Uh, so we're going back to you. Washington, D.C., 1875. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. We're already there. We were already there. Send me back. I'm ready. <laughs> I had to change a whole bunch of things because uh, because we chose to take a shortcut there instead of getting the information I expected you to. <laughs> wow. Look, I don't always take a shortcut. But when Girl, I do, I like it's... them. <laughs> but when I do, it usually <laughs> things up. Yeah, it usually the <laughs> timeline. <laughs> but I'm super glad that you've got to make decisions that matter, that have been hard for you, and that we continue to uh, work with them, and that it is just a game. Role playing games are used as therapy for teenagers because it gives you a safe place to investigate decisions without messing up your own life, and that's something that. Uh, that's oh, something perfect, that I which... like to do, too. I like to yeah. try and get you to make decisions and try things involving your ethics in a safe place. And that's uh, I've been really pleased with um, all of your decisions and all of your acting. You've all been incredible. Meanwhile, oh, I'm well, over shocked. here wearing like two layers of deodorant because I'm having anxiety about the decisions that we're making. <laughs> <laughs> that's real, No, I, I appreciate that. And I think that... Um, I mean, look, I, I like all different kinds of um, fantasy and, and, and playing and stuff. And this is the first time that I've really delved into uh, something like this. So I, I appreciate the space to explore and experience something new. And I also appreciate the space to uh, freely cry on podcast. Yeah, I was, I'm going to uh, bring that, that up until the day that I die. <laughs> you did so well. That will get beyond my award list. Yeah, uh, the effie, nice. yes, the effie shark conversation that oh had actual gosh. tears, gold Emmys. <laughs> yes, the podcast <laughs> Emmys, if, if only. But before I let you all go for the night, and we call this a bonus episode, what's something that everyone would like to see before the end of the season? McWinnie's head on a pike. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dan's like death, absolutely. I think I would, uh, oh God, that's so hard. Cause I feel like there's a lot of things that I could say, but I'm also worried about wishing any of them into existence. <laughs> the fishing the, expedition. He just wants answers. <laughs> One of the great GMs that I've watched games of has something he calls the cube. And whenever you say something is like, would you like me to put that in the cube? Which means that it can come up later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Anyway, these are not necessarily cube items. I'm just uh, curious, and I think our listeners would be curious. So I'm really interested in like the development of the the supers dynamic of the future. Like we're in the future right now. We're in a weird utopian dystopian future, but presumably when we when we inevitably fix it or don't fix it or screw it up for the worse or whatever it is that we end up doing the super war has always really intrigued me right because like as a fan of like i don't know if you've read the steelheart series some of it it's like brandon sanderson's like attempt at superhero uh, well a subversion of the superhero genre and you have like the supers being the bad guys 
And it's just you really want an me interesting. To be the bad guy? All right, I'm the bad guy. Nice. But it's really interesting to me. So like the idea of like this this more complicated dynamic between supers and non-supers in the future. Whether they're on the side of good or the side of bad, I don't know. But I'm interested to find that out. And also, I'm really interested to like learn more about like our characters' impact on the timeline once we go back to our original times. Like because now, like if we manage to get back to our original times, because we've been removed from our times, because if we die, it's inconsequential. I just kind of assumed we were never going back. But if we did, right? Like we are now competent, sort of sometimes heroes. Would we affect well, the timeline? Are. Yeah. Would we affect the timeline now because we've experienced more than we would have before? Or was our inconsequentialness part of the time loop paradox? You know, like that whole thing. Like, anyway, well, I thought I, so the big when, meta when game Beth is going to up, When Beth picked us up, it was with the understanding that the list that she was providing Vic was a list of people that would not impact the timeline if they were gone. Yeah. But could impact the timeline if they were with Vic. Yes. That was like her algorithm work. Right. So what happens if we go back to our times? I, I would assume if we go back to our times that like something would be different. But I also just assumed we were never going back to our times. So. To be fair, both both Zuman and Shah have flirted with death numerous <laughs> times. So I think that's accurate. That's probably not a problem at all. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and not that this has to be an ending, I feel like a, a fitting end for Van Helsing as a character would be a kind of a cool one. If I could maybe trap one of our villains in the book Dracula, forever changing the book, but, huh. but nice. getting him out of the real dimension. I love it. That's very McWinnie. cool. McWinnie! End game for McWinnie! <laughs> instead, of, instead of his head cube. on a pike, he's going to be hunted by a vampire. That could be a cube. We'll see. <laughs> that's up to Logan. I, I would interesting love to see way to how deal we can access that being. dimension. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah, I'm also curious about how we deal with McWinnie because, like, he's yep. big. Yes, he is big. Uh, you know, it's, we've gone from fighting these like low levels to fighting a god. <laughs> it's, you so, know, it's it's the transition that all heroes hope to make. Just like every good JRPG. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> nice. So thing that i really want to see before the end of the season is i want bts to be in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> just uh, that's wait. a joke um i don't think that we would be legally allowed to do that oh i feel like it's so what hard because there's so many things that i feel like i've what thought if it was, about what if the band was called stb instead stb <laughs> it's soprano tenor <laughs> i i'd like us to level up one more time I can tell you right now, I don't plan to do that. <laughs> no! Yikes! I think other things that I would like to see is I, I definitely want answers to, um, like, what started, uh, like, okay, a answers to questions. So, like, who and what is Mr. Pumwitty actually? Is he someone yes. that we can actually contend with? Um... Are there others out there like him? Stuff like that. And then I would also like answers to uh, like Effie's dad and all of the cyborg stuff there. Like, I feel like we got like halfway there. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that because it kind of feels like Effie's dad is like the big bad behind all of the stuff. Um, and so I'm I'm excited to see like if that's true or if that is like, a misconception that I have. 
I piggyback on that. I want to. I want to. I want to see some of that too. I want to. I want to see what's hey, what's got Mister McQuinney started on this path. Mm. Why he started here, which might be just a huge uh, villain monologue. So, hey, Logan, prepare a forty-minute villain monologue that Ooh. we'll have to sit through. Anytime anyone mentions any character monologuing, I just think of that line from Incredibles that Frozone <laughs> says, got me on a silver platter, and he starts monologuing. Yeah. So I think for my character, or even maybe for me emotionally, what I would like to see would be for Effie to find some security in her own brain Something would obviously have to happen to change because like right now her, the computer parts that have been messed with in her brain are like hackable. Like that's very much been the lore. And I feel like she wouldn't be able to commit to anything like, hmm, like a future that's stable or even like to be with Char or anything until she felt safe in her own brain. So, like, even though Effie and Char are getting closer right now, I think that if there was, like, a a call for commitment, that Effie wouldn't be able to give it because her brain is so sketchy. So, brain safety. Mm. The resolution, like, I, the fact that yeah. the one-breasted man can just, like, take control of you is problematic. Yeah. 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 I I feel like all of us were sitting here with kind of like half answers or like joke answers and then Sarah comes in with this like really heartfelt deep thing and I'm like, "Oh, wow, I should be more like Sarah." <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought There's about a lot of really it. cool stuff to come. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But what about you? What you what do you want to see from us uh, our illustrious GM? Oh, I uh, I just want you to continue making interesting decisions that you can then take advantage <laughs> oh, of. Oh, that sounds like so... <laughs> I know, that sounds so sinister knowing what's just happened. <laughs> I just need no, everyone I, uh, to continue to perform admirably. Yeah. What's that from? Star Trek movie. That's right, The one Spock. with Christopher Pine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just as me... I do want to see more tie-ins to the first season. I want to see a like a Keith said. I want to see uh, the supers and you know how they've a, been affected. I want to know what happened to the the war that was presented. Um, I want a. I do want an, an, some answers to that that have been presented in the uh, first season. And now, what has happened to that with Mister McQuinney taking over? Hey guys, who? Who do you think is part of the rebellion in addition to Amber? Jake Baum. Jake Baum. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely got to be um what's his name? Oh, Jake Jerome. Baum. Jerome. I think I, he's there. I think Paige somehow. Mike Tosis. <laughs> Mike Tosis. Mike Tosis. Incredible return. Because Oh my like, gosh. Because, you know, speaking back, like, to the tie-in with the Supers, like, I feel like Mike Tosis would be a great tie-in, like, back to the Supers and the Super War. Or, like, if Blythe is there or Vic or something like that, like, I think that'd be hysterical. Which Blythe and Vic, I think, like, Vic is just out in the ether somewhere, right? Blythe is in prison, but Vic is just, like, out there. So they could come back. 
And then mycotosis, I would imagine, is also imprisoned, but we could find a way. Well, but here's the thing. The timeline's different. That's true. Every, That's true. Everyone is impacted by the timeline but us. So uh, we're going to have to go moment. on a suicide squad level mission where we recruit all of our old all bad of guys. Our old villains. <laughs> <laughs> that would be legit. To take on Mawinnie. Oh my gosh. Oh. Does, that mean, does that mean that we go back and like get Genghis Khan? Oh yeah. <laughs> right before we crush it with a tent. <laughs> with the yurt. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my gosh! That would be crazy. That would this be is very, this very is crazy. sounding promising. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't think I can uh, live up to all of these expectations. Regret <laughs> asking. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Fantasy Adventure Machine. We'll be back next week with a normally scheduled episode. In the meantime, if you like streaming, Magic the Gathering, Marvel Snap, cozy games, or a bunch of other things, we and some of our friends are doing some streaming on the Nerds of Paradise channel. Check us out on Nerds of Paradise Official on Twitch. Thank you.